Our good word today is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we begin the third section now of this chapter in verses 9 through 13. 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 9 through 13. You'll recall in verses 1 through 6, Paul tells us that he was the faithful steward. We see his faithfulness as a steward, put in trust with the gospel, living and serving, not to please men, but to please God. Then in verses 7 and 8, we saw Paul, the gentle nurse. From the faithfulness of the steward to the gentleness of the nurse, how he raised these spiritual babies. Now in verses 9 through 13, Paul, the concerned father, the firmness of the father. You say, well, preacher, you're contradicting yourself. You talk about the gentleness of a nursing mother, and now you talk about the firmness of a father. The two go together. You see, we as preachers and Sunday school teachers and Christians must know when to show gentleness and when to show firmness. I think one of the problems in America today is that there isn't enough firmness. We've given in. We call it love, but it's not really love. It's just giving in. There are many parents who won't discipline their children. I was up in Wisconsin a few summers ago when a crowd of malicious, militant college students hit town, a small resort town where we were all enjoying the peace and quiet. I was sitting out in a rowboat in the bay, drowning some worms, and looked up, and here came the army. I thought, what's the army doing here? But they were there to protect the town from a bunch of college students. I watched these students break windows, steal, loot, knock over parking meters, break the windows of cars. I watched these things happen. I didn't read about it. I saw it happen. And they arrested these students, took them off to jail. And then the parents showed up. And how many of these weeping mothers said, oh, we don't know what's wrong with our child. We surely brought her up right. I said to myself, I wonder if you brought her up right. Did you ever discipline this girl? Did you ever discipline this boy? You know, too many of our people today don't know what it is to have firmness. It's interesting that many children don't know the meaning of the word no. Now, I think we parents can say no too often. Sometimes we're reactionary. But if you say no and mean it, a child has to respect that. And if you back it up with your own discipline. I think the reason why we don't discipline others is because we're not disciplined ourselves. It takes discipline to discipline others. You've got to restrain yourself. To illustrate this, back Labor Day, I decided I had to lose some weight, and I was just a little bit overweight, and so I thought I'm just going to quit eating extras, no more desserts, no more cookies, candy, this type of thing, and I did. I just quit eating all these extras, and I lost weight. In fact, I came to church, and and some of our dear people told me how trim I looked because of my diet. Well, I had a son who uh, was getting a little bit hefty, and I said to him, I think you ought to start losing some weight. He said, how can I do this? I said, just do what Daddy did, lay off all this extra stuff. And you know, it was a real delight to me to be able to say no to him because I had said no to myself. Unless you discipline yourself, you can't discipline others. Now, Paul was a disciplined man, and he says here, For ye remember, verse 9, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable to any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. Paul said, like a father, I supported the family. Paul said, I didn't ask you to take care of me. I took care of you. Now, that's an attitude that every Christian needs to have. Paul wasn't there for what he could get. He was there for what he could give. How much have you given lately for others? The first question we ask when someone lays a responsibility upon us is, what am I going to get out of it? 
Well, what are we going to get out of it? Jesus said, give and it shall be given unto you. Why does a father get up in the morning, dress, pick up his lunch pail, go out and fight the traffic on the highway, punch in, work all day long, tired, come on out, get in the car, fight the traffic, come home? Why does he do this? Because he has love for his family. And he would do even more than that to give them what they need. Now, Paul said, as a concerned father, I sacrificed and worked for you. May I say a word to those of you who may be in the ministry? You may be a pastor or a Sunday school teacher or a deacon. Is your work easy? If it is, you're not doing much for God. I mean that now. I don't know of any case in the Bible where a person who's really serving God had an easy time of it, was able to punch a clock and work from 9 to 5. Sometimes a preacher has to put in 12, 14, 16 hours a day. Sometimes it's all night. Many preachers don't know the meaning of the word day off because they have to serve the Lord compelled by their love. I think preachers ought to take care of themselves. I think we ought to take care of our bodies. They're God's temples and God's tools. If we fall apart physically, we can't work for the Lord. But you get my point. Paul sacrificed as a concerned father. As a father, he not only sacrificed, but he set a good example. In verse 10, ye are witnesses in God. And you see back here in verse 5, God is witness. God's watching me. You are witnesses in God also how we behaved. You know, it's a wonderful thing to live a transparent, open life. I tell you, when we start hiding things, when we start saying, what does he know? What does she know? We're in trouble. Faith is living without scheming. Paul had nothing to cover up, nothing to hide. He said this, you remember, uh, back in uh, verse 5. He said, we, we didn't use flattery nor a cloak of covetousness. I didn't hide behind costumes. Paul said, you know how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves. I like that. We behaved ourselves. Some Christians don't behave themselves. Now, this threefold description shows Paul's relationship. First of all, to God, how holily he behaved himself before God. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Why do we keep our lives clean? Because God's watching. And how justly this has to do with men. And how unblameably this has to do with self. Now, dear people, Christians are not spotless. Thank God one day we will be. Unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you spotless before his glory, says Jude 24. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says, One of these days the church will be brought up before the Lord Jesus without spot and wrinkle. Now, we're not without spot today. We're not spotless, but we can be blameless. Paul said, I was unblameable in my conduct. Now, what's the difference between being spotless and being blameless? Well, the difference is this. I'm afraid that everything I do has some spots on it. I've never preached a perfect sermon I've never written a perfect book. I've never held a perfect meeting. I've never even conducted a perfect wedding. Everything we do has some spot on it, but if my heart is right, it's blameless. Did you get that now? Blamelessness has to do with the motive of our heart. Let me illustrate it for you. Let's suppose that my children are going to write letters to their grandmother, and my oldest boy sits down and he writes a letter to his grandmother. It's quite a letter. He's 14 years old and he uses good grammar and, and good punctuation and good spelling. And he writes an interesting letter. My nine-year-old sits down and the grammar is a little strange. Some of the spelling is weird. 
And it's kind of a childish letter. Now, do you think that Grandma is going to read the older boy's letter and reject the younger girl's letter? Why, of course not. In fact, she's going to chuckle over every little misspelled word and every little misplaced comma. But she's going to love that letter because it came from someone she loved. Now, we don't blame our children for being children. We don't blame a nine-year-old girl because she can't write like a college professor. We don't blame a beginning piano student because she can't play like Paderewski. We look upon people according to where they are. This is one of the marks of a good teacher. A good teacher finds out where the pupil is and judges accordingly. Now, Paul says we were unblameable. My motives were right. I may have made some mistakes, but my motives were right. Do you know, folks, God has a way of overlooking and overruling our mistakes when our hearts are right? If we waited until what we did was perfect, we'd never do anything. I've written a number of books. I thank God for this privilege. And after they come off the press and I read them, I say, oh, why did I write it like that? But you know, if I waited to write a perfect book, I'd never do it. Many times I've finished preaching on Sunday and I've gone home and said, oh, I should have done a better job. But if I waited to preach a perfect sermon, I would do nothing. Because you can't do it perfectly. But you can do it unblameably. And Paul said, as a, as a spiritual father, I behaved myself unblameably. My heart was right before the Lord. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. Now, this is the father's job. It's the mother's job to nurse the children, back in verse 7 and verse 8. It's the mother's job to, to take these precious babies. But they get to a certain age, and the father has to step in. Please don't let your children be raised by the mother. Now, I know there are some homes where the father can't do it. He's not there. That's too bad. I'm sorry. But in, a, in the regular home, in the normal home, there comes a time when the child must be disciplined by the father. And some fathers don't take their responsibilities like they should. He says, we exhorted you. Now, this word exhort means to entreat. We comforted you. This means to encourage. We charged you. This means to testify. Let's look at these three words. Here is Paul, the father, sitting down with his children, entreating them, beseeching them to live the right kind of a life. He is comforting them, encouraging them. Do you encourage your children? Now, spiritual children need to be encouraged. They get into difficulty. They fail. They, their, their prayer life is not what it ought to be. They try to witness and try to walk and live, and they have difficulty. Paul said that these spiritual children desperately need encouragement. I try to remember when I preach always to put in some words of encouragement. Now, some preaching is just beat, beat, beat. The preacher gets the hammer, the sword, and he just goes to work. Well, sometimes we need this. But, you know, I like a word of encouragement. I don't want anyone ever to go away from Calvary Baptist Church discouraged. I want the ministry of the Word of God to encourage them. They can walk out and say, well, thank God I've got strength now for one more day. I can live for my Lord. Paul said a father has to encourage his children. Then he said he charged them. I charged every one of you as a father doth his children. This word charge means to testify. You know what he's saying here? He's saying, I sat down with these spiritual children and said, look, I know what you're going through. I've been through it myself. I like when a father can sit down with a son and say, now, son, I know the problem you're facing there in school. I had the same problem when I was in school. Let me tell you what happened to me. 
or son comes home from his first job and says, gee, Dad, I'm having a rough time at work, and Dad can say, well, I remember the first job I had. That's what Paul's saying here. To testify doesn't mean what you read in a book. To testify does not mean what you heard somebody else say. To charge them, to testify to them, means to tell them what came out of your own life. Now let's compare verse 11 with verse 8. In verse 8, the mother, the spiritual mother, imparted from her own life the nourishment for the baby. And in verse 11, the spiritual father imparted from his own life the experiences he had. Now we as parents physically speaking, have to share with our children what we went through. That's why we went through those things. I've had to take my boys into the hospital for stitches. I recall the first time I had to take my son to the hospital. He'd gotten injured on a fence, and he was only six years old, I believe, at the time. And I could say to him, now, son, I know what it's like to go to the doctor. I've been there. I know what it's like to have stitches. I've had them, you see. And this means a lot to a child. This is why God puts us through these experiences that we might better be able to encourage and exhort and charge those who are spiritual children under us. Now, what does a father do? Well, according to verse 12, this father teaches the children how to walk. That ye would walk worthy of God who hath called you into his kingdom and glory. You see, it's a wonderful thing to teach your children how to walk, how to walk straight how to walk accurately, how to walk carefully. How do you do this? Well, verse 13 tells us it's through the Word of God. And the Lord willing, the next time we're together on what's the good word, we're going to spend time in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, one of the most important verses in the entire New Testament on the working of the Word of God in our lives. This is Pastor Warren Wearsby at Calvary Baptist Church in Covington, Kentucky. I appreciate your listening day by day, and I trust the Word of God has been a blessing to you.